I've heard people tipping Wales to win it. I was actually oh, man, offended. I, I was I like, I'm what? telling you, I would not. I would I not put it past them if we lose the it's first Warren game. Gatlin. Yeah, Warren Gatlin is a cute. Ireland are I won't so say good. It. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome along to House of Rugby. I'm Greg O'Shea, and I'm joined with my lovely teammates Lindsay and Jason. How are you doing, guys? Great. I'm just delighted we're all back together now. Yeah, it's great. We're getting a nice yeah. flow, isn't it? The three yeah. of us together. How are you, Jason? All good. All good. Delighted to be back. Yeah, we've loads to get you, so we'll get stuck in straight away. Yeah, yeah. So um, in this show, we have a lot going on. We're actually going to listen to an interview you did, Jason, with Anthony Watson, and yep. uh, played with England and Lions. He's an incredible player. We're going to have a, your, listen to your chat you had with him. And then after that, we're actually going to talk to Ty Leader, who played with Connacht and he's over in the USA now. Um, so we have those two coming up later in the show. But I actually got to speak to Josh Vanderfleer last week. Do you know what I ran away? Yes. And yeah. Pat jumped in my seat and he did a much better job than me. We have to keep his confidence levels. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran out to Dunleary and I caught Josh Vanderfleer just before he got on the flight to go to Portugal with the Irish um, team because they're over in Quinta de Lago at the moment, living their best lives, right warm weather training for the Six Nations. Follow them on Instagram, guys. They're just having the best crack. They're golfing and everything. NFL on the beach. I, was like, I know, oh. yeah. Some life, isn't it? Listen, I was so angry. I was just like, right, that's it. <laughs> so you only want to unfollow them because you don't want to see all the, yeah, yeah. you know, what they're getting up to. But then you're like, then I'll have FOMO if they're doing yeah, so. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they're having intense training sessions as well. Like, but oh, it's a good way to, like, you're going into a very, very intense, like, whatever it is, eight or nine weeks, Six Nations. Go out and relax, chill out, get some sun into you. They yeah. seem to have a great balance, yeah. And it's what Josh actually spoke about. So listen to this quick uh, teaser clip first, and then we'll, I'll chat to you further after that. Greg O'Shea about to brave the elements. Ah! Hi, guys. I'm Greg O'Shea, and I'm here with Connecticut. I'm in Dunleary. Luckily, we have the weather for it, and I'm meeting up with a very special player today, World Rugby Player of the Year, Josh van der Fleer. It's incredible. So not only was it mental resilience, and I presume talking to those lads that helped you get through that time, but you probably did a lot for your nutrition to kind of get your knee back that quickly, did you? I mean, I basically tried to, when you're such a long-term injury like that, you're trying to get like even the smallest little marginal advantage, the, the little 1%, I suppose you'd say. One thing that's so important with, especially knee injuries, is, is your leg strength and how you build that up. You might finish a rehab session, might have a quick protein shake, um, maybe a shot of collagen after some of the rehab stuff that helps helps with the regeneration there. Um, so, it was, so it was, I suppose it was a mix a mix of things, but definitely uh, find like the multivitamins, the the omega the omegas they were they were brilliant. And it's it's obviously with all these things, it's you're just looking for small margins. It's really hard to say oh, that's what it was. It was I took this or I did this rehab exercise. You have all these tiny little things that kind of build towards... It's all the 1% Yeah, exactly, day, like, yeah, yeah. Josh, for a, a lot of people out there, they probably want to know what a normal week looks like for you. So I presume you're training nearly every single day, are you? Um, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, pretty full on. Um, like I say Monday, Tuesday, we'd probably be in... You'd be in 7.30, 8 o'clock, different smaller meetings. We'd kick off properly around 9 o'clock and... Uh, You'd be in till, till three or four then both days, and then Thursday, a bit shorter, more condensed. Um, Getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. Captain's run then, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, you'd be in uh, a bit of a run around and uh, getting some rehab, physio, massage, that kind of thing in. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's all go on. Yeah, it is go. Yeah, it's yeah. Go, there's, there's good breaks, I suppose. The, 
the, you have the evenings off and then uh, Wednesday you can take time when, if you want it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good balance between working hard and, and getting your recovery as well. Yeah, for sure, because it's just constant rugby, especially with playing with Leinster, the European Cup, and then you go into the Irish setup for Six Nations. And it's just nonstop week in, week out. And so how do you keep your body in order? And your recovery must be one of your main priorities, is it? Definitely can be tough first thing after a game. Um, finish a game, get a protein shake in. I'm not, not normally that hungry um, after a game, just your stomach's all over the place because you've just exerted so much energy. Yeah. Um, to get a shake in, um, then as soon as you can, you get, you get a meal in and it pretty much stuffed my face that evening, uh, eating <laughs> as much as you can, trying to replace some of the calories. Yeah. Um, and then getting things like, like going for a sea swim, um, getting a sauna in, uh, going for a walk, anything that kind of loosens up the legs. Just keep it ticking it over. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what keeps it together. So you obviously got it right because you're still sitting here in one piece and, <laughs> and you're flying a plane out of your skin. So uh, today's recovery day for you. So should we get in the water? Sounds good. Right, let's, let's, go. let's go. <laughs> good work, John. All right, so yeah, it was a great little chat with Josh. And the first thing that I kind of noticed about him was he was so modest. Mm-hmm. Like he is technically the best player in the world. Like he has yeah. that title, yeah. and you wouldn't think about it at all. Like chatting away to him, we're just strolling around, and I kind of started back where I was very conscious of like not asking him the stereotypical questions yeah. of so how would you think uh, Andy Farrell is as a coach <laughs> and like you know Leinster and all this. Stuff. Like yeah, yeah. I wanted to kind of get stuck into him a little bit, and I eventually got pulled it out of him. We had some good little nuggets of information. I went all the way back to um, his school uh, time, all the way up into the academy, and he actually was telling me a funny story that. When he got into the academy initially, he was just one of the young fellas, you know, kind of coming in and out of training. And he was in UCD studying and he got a call being like, someone has dropped out of senior training. Can you make it in? So he obviously runs out of the lecture, has no boots, borrows boots off some random guy (laughs) in UCD, gets the training to Leinster. And and he's in like training with like, you know, Rob Kearney and Brian O'Driscoll, Mm -hmm. all the top dogs at the time. And he says he got a pass off Brian O'Driscoll and he drops it. Oh, no. And he's just like, no. He's like, I'm never going to play for Leinster yes. ever again. What a uh, baptism. Such a baptism of fire. Like, and I just loved like the humility you had to kind of tell us that story. Yeah. That he, it wasn't all just sunshine and rainbows. It was like, you know, running around UCD trying to get into the academy sessions and things like that. Um, so he definitely earned his stripes. And another cool thing that I kind of got from the interview was... So you remember in the 2021 Six Nations when Will Connors was starting at seven? Yes. And he was kind of like the... Josh was in and seven. out, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. was in and out, but it was more so Will Connors' jersey, wasn't yeah. it? You remember that time? And I chatted to him, I was like, what was it that happened? So it was only about 18 months ago. Yeah. What's happened between then and now that has made you the best player in the world from bit nearly not starting with Ireland? And he was quite honest with me and he was like, to be honest, I thought I was actually playing well. And he didn't know what he had to do different, but he didn't sit down and complain about it. He went and like spoke to Stuart Lancaster and he spoke to Leo Cullen and he actually started picking out parts of other people's games so he could improve. So he was like, Will Connors chop tackling, you know, unbelievably is that. And then Scott Penny's carrying and Caelan Doris just around the park and him offering up for carries and things like that. And he said he picked a little bit from each player, like picked their brains and then he worked it on himself and he just like made his arsenal of ability even mm, better. Yeah. And one other thing he noticed that um, I think... Stuart Lancaster said it to him was like he wasn't offering up enough on the pitch he was being like 
a tip on pass and stuff and he was just rocking out and he said that he was going to be start stepping up and carrying the ball and try and get some extra meters mm. and you noticed it when he came back that yeah. he was just carrying more it's so funny because it's so it was so noticeable all of a sudden she says Josh Ryan if you can carry now because yeah. he was always an unbelievable tackler he used to rack up 20 tackles a game with ease yeah. and like, he's that's always a nice element. guy yeah even on the pitch like that and that was one thing probably He's so nice. I, I don't even want to use the word infuriate me, but he did. He did because he didn't carry. He was always the nice guy who gave yeah. everyone else the opportunity. He's selfish, like he absolutely. Yeah. And now he's like gain line after gain. Like his carries are ridiculous. His footwork into contact. Um, so it seemed like he just collected everyone's DNA from everyone, isn't it? And just yeah. made himself into this man machine. So that's exactly what he is. Man yeah. Machine. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny the contrast, and we all noticed like, geez, he's carrying all the time. Up. Yeah. And he literally he chose to do it. He's like, no, I'm going to start stepping up and taking the ball. And it's just it's such a good lesson for any young players coming up to take the initiative, stop complaining and do something about it. Because Josh thought he was doing everything he could and he just went, goes, no, nah, I'm obviously not. And he went and picked up more stuff and started offering a bit more and working hard. And now within 18 months, he became the best player in the world. So I thought that was a really cool lesson I took from him. Um, and on your laurel is like, there's always room for improvement, essentially. Exactly. What he's, what he's saying. But he kind of looked at his, his kind of work-ons rather than what he had. Do you know that way? And mm. I think a lot of elite players, like if you're not working towards something, like you might as well hang up your boots because you always have to have goals. And I think that's a, like, yeah, big point you've just said there is like, look at your work-ons. Always try to be the best player. And it's it, you put in a vulnerable position to kind of go to a coach. Well, like, if you go to a coach and say, well, I feel I'm poor on this, this and this, but how to help me? They kind of invest in you a little bit more. Do you know? Yeah. Um, Show the initiative. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And they know you want to learn and you're hungry. You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's hard to identify that now. Do you I think there's a lot of lads just sit back or a lot of women that sit back in rugby and they just go, oh, I'm just not getting picked. And they do nothing about yeah. it. 100%. Yeah. Like, or he flipped it all around in 18 months and became the best player in the world. And I asked him about that and I was like, look, I know you're quite modest as you're saying there, Lindsay's probably mm. the nicest guy in the world. Nicest. Yeah. So kind. You wouldn't think about it at all. There's no aura about him. But I was like, come on, like, do you know, how do you feel the pressure now that you are the best player <laughs> in the world? And he goes, he's kind of aware that more eyes are on him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I said, was it always a goal of, you, of yours to become the best player in the world? Like, did you write it on a piece of paper and mm. stuff? And he was like, I actually did. He said he wrote down on a piece That's of paper, true. I want to become the best player in the world. Like only like two seasons ago or something. And he worked on it. So oh even though he's like this kind, like... Uh, a lot of humility like in the media he has this kind of such drive behind yeah, him yeah. and he is writing down his goals and he is chasing these things so it's cool to see him ticking them off um, did he tell you whether Brian O'Driscoll give out to him <laughs> for dropping that pass he didn't he didn't say it he's too uh, nice yeah. to anyway he wouldn't oh. throw anyone under the bus like. no he wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously we kind of moved on to talking about this year coming up and what I was kind of surprised about was that he straight out said yeah we want to win the Six Nations to win the World Cup like there was no like pussyfooting around. It just goes, yeah, we're going to win that's it. What you want? That's what you want to hear. What a mindset. That's, like. that's what we were saying a couple of weeks ago. I was like, why not? Go for it all. But sure, Farrell has kind of instilled that, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he said. He yeah. said, the last time, remember we had that thing up ahead of the 2019, sorry, not 2019 World Cup, sorry, mm. yeah. When Joe Smith was there and just kind of a year out from that, Steve Hansen was like, you know, the target's on Ireland's back now. Like, let's see how they deal with being the hunted. And we didn't deal with it. And then this time he was like, we learned from that. He said, let's let's take ownership of being number one in the world. It's like, yes, we are number one in the world. Come at me, mm -hmm. is what they're saying this time. And that's the attitude to have. Yeah, It's so time. cool, isn't it? Yeah. Straight up, I like, looked in my eyes. Yeah, we want to win it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Hopefully. 
Sorry. <laughs> 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 you said this awkward silence. Okay, what's the expression? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a really good chat. Definitely give it a full listen, guys, on uh, Connecticut's social media. <coughs> it's going to be on YouTube and there'll be clips on Connecticut's social media. So definitely give it a look because um, it's a really good one. And the guys are over in Quinted Lago now, as I said, and mm. you see their Instagram. They're playing golf and they're having a bit of crack. But I saw on Jacob Stockdale's video that he said they had three hard sessions and then they got a day off. So as you're saying, Jason, they're finding that nice balance <laughs> and they seem to be in a good spot. Mm. Yeah. That's it. That's what we need. That's yeah. what we need. Definitely. So, will we move on to the URC that happened on yes. the weekend? We did. Okay, so first game up. Who will we go to? We'll go to Ulster first. Yeah. Yeah, That's they won 35-5 at home. Seem to be back in winning ways. They're playing well, aren't they, Lindsay? Yeah. I was very impressed with Nathan Joke. He started, he did a good, uh, he did a good snipe there and he got a good try and he was kind of, he um, obviously identified that they needed to kind of move that ball really quick at the breakdown and we kind of, we for, um, we just saw glimpses again of what Ulster can do and what they had leading in, you know, that form that led in before their six out of seven kind of streak where they, they went on a losing streak. But they've won two out two now back to back. And I just think there was a couple of players that kind of stood up that have been obviously left out of Ireland and, you know, are probably hurting. So um, I was impressed. Yeah. I was impressed with them. Yeah, I thought Wayne Bullen was a huge standout. Like I remember saying a few weeks back that, you know, Rassi said that the reason he left him out of the Autumn Internationals was he wanted him to rest up. He would nothing to prove. Mm. And I remember seeing some South African people kind of saying, oh, I think he's done. I, some of my own friends kind of thinking, no, he's done. Dwayne Vermeulen is going to be in that <laughs> World Cup squad and he's going to be one of the best players in the World Cup again. I don't care how old he is. Yeah, no, he's going huge. to be the man because he's just, when he, when he raises his game to that level, it's just, I know, he also injured poor Evan Roo, so he might have taken his competition out with that bit of a turtle rock uh, kind of a uh, term. But uh, I think, look, he was outstanding. Um, Michael Lowry played really well as well, so probably disappointed he didn't make the Ireland squad, but very hard to make that. Well, his that footwork was, was yeah. like electric. It was like the Michael Lowry of old, you know, he just actually, from the word go, I actually got to watch that game. Uh, in full so he, just his footwork um, electric he was just getting in and out he was so elusive mm. do you know so that form again that brought him in and I think for it was his try now with um, oh, Stuart Moore and who played centre who played actually very well and um, oh, who was on the, the wing Maxim Maxim ben Maxim yeah. was on yes, the wing yes. so um, there was a nice interplay change from, for Larry to finish off so again it was kind of just really intricate piece of play Vermeulen was an absolute animal at the breakdown he was absolutely key to just the physicality that you know Ulster needed to bring and then they were able to move that ball quick and really move South Africans around the park so hopefully this is a kick on point for for Dan McFarlane and his team because it was it was refreshing to see that these players hadn't gone anywhere. Do you know so what I mean? They, and they actually, needed it. they needed yeah. that win because they, I know the Salem's a big win. Like we were saying there a few weeks back, you know, Ulster season is collapsing, and all of a sudden they're in the round of sixteen. No comment. Uh, and uh, <laughs> now they're back up into the third. I think in their fourth in the. Uh, now, so it's fourth now, I think. Yeah, so no, they're into What's so good about that win at home against Stormers is that Stormers are in second, so after closing oh. that gap between themselves and Stormers, the there's only it's only two points between them and Stormers. So Ulster are back; they're totally fine, like sitting cushy and third there in the URC table. But you're saying there, Jason, it's so mad that they're into the round of sixteen and they only won one game in the European Cup. What a bad on our YouTube last week. Someone was giving out to me, kind of saying like, "What about this for Ulster?" And I was like, it's not an attack on Ulster. 
Can it's I just system, make that yeah, clear? It's, it's an attack on the system. If Munster or Connacht or Leinster were in that situation, I'd say the same thing. I just don't agree with the system. And it's it's something we were talking about throughout the week, Pat. There's a, the, the, even Martin and I is saying it's a joke. It's gone too complicated. So they're looking at either going back to the system before 24, 2015, when there was 20 teams, or even going back and making more groups and keeping it 24. Remember that system that was there before 2010-ish, mm-hmm. I'm guessing? Yeah. So there's two systems they could go back to, but... I mean, it's just scrapped. Like, two yeah, pool you want thing. your six yeah. pool games and make it, and you want to be in a pool. You want it to be yeah. interesting. And if you, if I know we, play, it gets played now over a week shorter than mm. it used to get played over, so there's a bit of issues there. And the French teams won't play an extra week, but you can take out the sixty, the round of sixteen, if you have to, yeah, and, go and put the extra pool game in there mm. instead, and go straight to the quarters and bring it back. But yeah, yeah but that's the thing. Get rid of these two massive pool, pools. Just make your group stages, and then just play them off quarterfinals like we did. What it wasn't broken before. No, like so what see, the only reason it? they did it was because of COVID. That was the excuse okay. the last time I said. Oh, Okay, we have to bring it from 20 up to 24 because at the time there was they were too close in the leagues in the Premiership in the top 14 and the URC that a lot of games didn't get played. So like, okay, yeah. they could have got sued essentially because the team was in ninth, but they didn't get to play the remaining games. They're like, okay, so we'll just extend it out to 24 teams. But this 11 brought it back to 20 yet. <laughs> yeah. It's been three seasons. Three seasons it's been now like so. Just it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, but it still got through and fair play to them because um, they seem to be back in form. Thank God. But the next game we had on was, we'll go with... Munster, our very own Munster, were away in Benetton Treviso, and you know what? It was a bit shaky there for a while, Jason. <laughs> Benetton came out with two tries, and I was like, surely not. Like. <laughs> Do you know what? I've been watching Benetton closely all season, so like we'd often clip up the clips and for making for reels and stuff for rugby, Joe. And every time I watch them, I was like, my God, these guys play some good rugby. Don't they? The tries, like even the first two tries they scored, like, and I've been watching these tries all season going, what is it that they're missing? I suppose maybe it's just in defence and the fact that their game management quite isn't there with the big teams. But boy, can those boys score tries. Yeah. <laughs> they're exceptional. Two really, like none of their tries were like just simple. Like they were nice. Offloading. Offloading. You know I mean? Bit sassy. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Bit of je ne sais quoi. Je, 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 what, about like what about Munster? That's, that's two weeks now like where after seeing this like Munster are now this. I have to do the double take again that's the last couple of weeks like because they've been playing stunning rugby. Yeah. John Hodden was sensational again. Some of the offload, some of the running lines, fresh, some of the cross field kicks, everything, everyone played well and it's like, it's actually fun to watch Munster again. But dare yeah. I say <laughs> what was cool was seeing the back row it was so young but still so dynamic so you had Jack O'Sullivan at 6 I think you had yeah. Kandelin at 8 and you would yeah. Hodden at 7 yeah. 3 young fellas I think they're all max maybe 22 that's all yeah. even younger and they played incredible Hodden was playing out of his skin best player in the pitch yeah. like making breaks scoring tries offloading like and it's just it's funny that he like that he'd be nowhere near an Irish squad and he's playing incredible like yeah. there's just so many good back rows so I thought he was in, he really really good a good guy for Munster for the next couple of years for sure or that back row for next couple of years yeah because eventually Peter Manley has to retire oh, yeah, do you know what I mean yeah like, it's funny that we're saying now as well and it's kind of goes back to what you said uh, all those weeks back like months from now all of a sudden up six in the table right yes. they're knocking on the door of the top four I was looking at it this morning kind of going okay they're, they have three home games coming up next mm. three home games and then they've got guts then they've got their I don't know in between that or after that they've got their uh, last 16 tie with the Sharks which you know they're still mm. in the Champions Cup it's going to be tough but then they go to South Africa after that for like two weeks to play the Sharks and the Lions I think it is yeah. so if they win those three home games then all of a sudden they're in with the they're in with the, yeah. they're in with the mm-hmm. shout for that top four but like at the very least it looks like we don't have to worry too much now <laughs> that we won't make top eight 
But oh like, yeah, we're nicely sitting in sixth. Yeah. Um, we're four points ahead of the Sharks that are in eighth. So there's a nice little cushion there, and we're only three points off fourth, and the Bulls are in fourth. So yeah. once we're sitting nice we there, three six games, I can maybe get a few bonus points along yeah. the way. All of a sudden, they're like, Whoa. a couple of weeks ago, we were, they were <laughs> down in the teens. We're like, oh no. <laughs> um, so what we predicted is coming true, but hopefully they can hold it together now. What did you make of it, Lindsay? The I thought they're situation? exceptional. Um, yeah. The only thing is, like, I know Ben Heaty's not going to the end of the season, but I thought his crossfield kick was exceptional, and then mm. his skip pass to Joey Carberry. He played really uh, well. I was like, why are we losing this yeah, lad? Yeah, he did. I had to say, like, you know, for everything he did well, like Ben Healy was just kind of... And even his pass on the game line, he got J- John Hognan in for that break. He got Jack O'Sullivan in. He was like such an athlete. He took off, like, was like, meow. <laughs> you know, so... Um, Kendallin as well was exceptional. So it's lovely to see him. We've spoken about this all season for just, you know, take a chance on your younger fellas. And obviously we went to Leinster and their academy players, but it, it, it is needed because when your guys are away at international duty, which is what every, we want the provinces and the players to aspire to, who's going to look after now these next couple of weeks and get you in that top, hopefully top four. Yeah. Um, I suppose you're looking there with the backward that I named the three yeah. young fellas, Jack, Alex and John. And then we had Dimmer Byrne in the front row yeah. and things like that. And young fellas come Paddy on. Patterson so there Paddy at Patterson. nine, who again had another great yeah. try. Actually, Calvin Lash's chip and chase to, to get Patterson in. Like, mm. They're playing expansive heads up rugby, which mm-hmm. is refreshing. And it's lovely to see the players express themselves. And I think Calvin Nash, ever since his trip to New Zealand yeah. for that, uh, the experimental, I suppose, yeah. that. I think it's the fact as well that they know now because they've seen the last few weeks when the Champions Cup came around and all the international boys were there. Mm. But yeah, Conor Murray was dropped for Paddy Patterson in that first game. And then the second game, then like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Earls, Earls was still out of the squad. So they're like, OK, normally before, no matter how well you played, soon as the boys came back, you're out of the mm. team. Yeah. But now you're like, okay, well, if we play well and we show enough, round three will start us and keep the fitness. Mm-hmm. So that gives you, like, I mean, if you know as soon as Peter Armani or Conor Murray or Keith Earns come back that you're out of the team, it's very hard to bring yourself up to, you bring yourself up to that level, but can you get yourself to that level? Yep. Which is what they can do now and what it's shown. They yeah. will be rewarded. And even Fekatoa has been brilliant the last couple of games because he got a great kick up the mm. arse is what he got. We saw Fekatoa and Frisch in the centre together, which is mm. good. What do you make of that? Good, good. Like, I thought Frisch played well. Like, I mean, he did really well for that try. And then, like, it was, uh, you kind of take it the way he takes it. Like, yeah. he makes it look so easy. He kind of he kind of looks up right and then takes it in his left hand from the kick. And it's, uh, I really like him. I thought, I thought, Fekatoa. He's a smart guy, isn't he? He's a smart, very yeah, smart, he very intelligent yeah, player. Always open for the offload. Sometimes he can get caught out a bit, time, mm. bit, bit, bit much with that. But he's strong, very skillful. He's a big lad, in fairness. Yeah, he's him. Big. And Fekatoa now, it's like, what Fekatoa, we know, he's Malachi Fekatoa. We know what he can bring. But what he was lacking was his work rate. And, and even his post on Instagram, did you see that? He was very complimentary of um, John Hognett and the players around him. And um, so he kind of not only has bought in onto the pitch, but into the monster ethos and what the club actually means. Mm. So I thought that was, I found that interesting now over the weekend. His posts were not, like he posted his family and stuff like that and yeah. Limerick or wherever he was with. But this was specifically about Munster and players around him and, and very complimentary with those around him. So I think all in all, he, he did yeah. get it. And a shout out to Graham Rowntree. It's not easy to come in and piece together what was absolutely what it was in smithereens really from previous oh, coaching do you know what I mean like on, it was on, on Fekatoa's well, funnily enough I was actually talking to him on Instagram there three days ago because I did an interview with him in the summer and I was like can we do a part two like and follow up because I really want to know yeah. what your experience is like and he was like yeah no problem he said look I'm off now for the next the next week like he'll be away while the URC said, but when I come back he said just in between the knockouts and stuff I'll sit down on the chat show and I was like excellent so, so he's a nice guy so, so, so yeah. excellent gent when I, like, when I sat down and spoke to him over the summer like he was so nice such Brilliant. a nice guy 
So Good hopefully, because it'd be interesting space. to see what he, t- like, you know, I'd say it's been a tough few months for him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Moving on to the unstoppable team of Leinster. They're at home against Ooh. Cardiff, 38-14. <laughs> and not only 38-14, <laughs> it, it doesn't say, it doesn't tell the full story. They were 31 nil up after 66 minutes. Yes, I'm Ridiculous. glad you said that. Ridiculous. I'm sure how many academy, eight academy players in there, they had 14 changes, you know, ter- number 13 is unlucky for some, but it was 13. Yeah. 13 for us and 17. 13 out of 13 games in the URC. As you said, there are 20 internationals were away, mm-hmm. which is nuts. And uh, most of their academy were playing. <laughs> yep. I didn't even know some of the names. And that's just my ignorance not knowing the Leinster Academy. So it's, it's impossible now because they just pull out a new sheet of players mm. every week like, and go, hey, this guy's class. <laughs> yeah. I think Max O'Reilly <laughs> scored a try, didn't he, on the wing? And he got his first cap. And uh, Brian Deeney, who got his first cap, what, two yeah. weeks ago, and he scored a try. He's got another one. And, yeah, well, they both uh, got Cosgrave their first caps a while ago, but yeah. Cosgrove was at 15. No, I think I Max think. O'Reilly got the first one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on, the, oh, he, on the wing. Um, playing on the wing. He's definitely played a couple of times for Leinster already. Has Max. he? Sorry yeah, about yeah, it. For sure, yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, there, there was two new caps game. anyway um, yeah. for the lads. And yeah, it was just amazing to see, again, like no no drop. And Max Deegan, like we're talking about Michael Lowry and, and Nathan Doak, who were kind of like the forgotten men and weren't in Ireland squad. And then you're kind of looking at Max Deegan, who yeah. who has actually played in his last out for an Ireland jer- in an Ireland jersey, played well, and he was exceptional and got player of the match there at the weekend. And yeah, you're right, 31 points up. And they probably would be just disappointed with the kind of two soft tries they, they yeah. let in. Um, and Liam Turner with an opportun- opportunistic try. Cardiff trying to like play the ball out of their 22 which you don't really do in the <laughs> 80th minute um, but uh, yeah all in all it was uh, another efficient and Luke McGrath again two tries like, I was just about to say it's yeah. good, good to see like we're talking about all these young guys coming in but like he, he is a stalwart and a, kind of a very key piece of that Leinster team because he's in there week in week mm. out and I think he's the kind of guy I think he kind of we call it Ross Byrne syndrome. Like he kind of, I think he would be feel a bit aggrieved not mm. to be in and amount of conversation for the Ireland squad because he's so consistent and he's there every week. Like the same as Ross Byrne, but like Ross Byrne at the waist. So maybe like there is an opportunity for him to slip in before the World Cup. You just yeah, don't you know. Say if that, an injury you also said that about Jack O'Donoghue. Do you know what I mean? Who yeah, plays week in, week out, and he's it, nowhere yeah. near the Irish team as well. But like, it's even tougher, I think, to get into that back row. I think because that's just like so absolutely hard. ridiculous. But I think like if you look at the the. The, the, the nines in Ireland at the moment, the three guys that are in there are probably the three guys that should be in there. But next in line has got to be Jack McGrath. Even Luke you know, McGrath. Caleb, sorry, Luke McGrath, excuse me. I'm like, even Caelan Ravis last weekend, like we'll go on to that later yeah, on as well. Player, and yeah. you've, also, like, you've also got the fact that John Cooney, but who's probably going to be playing for Scotland in a few weeks' time after uh, uh, what's his name said that he's probably going to call him up more than likely yeah. to have conversations. But yeah, I do think he's someone that he's definitely the next choice there. And there could be an argument there that he could be there ahead of one of the three that's there. Like, yeah, Luke McGrath, an outstanding game. Such a pivotal position in that team. And he's just always, he's been there for years. Like He's still a young fellow, but there for years. And mm. really good game he had. Uh, I'd say just having guys like him and maybe Ross Maloney just, and Reese Ruddock just yeah. keeps those young guys in yeah. in order. What do you think, Lindsay? Yeah, it's just those, like, obviously you're 31 nil up, but that is, it's that mental side, isn't it? And you, it, that's very hard to do until you're in games where your back is against the wall, which was Ospreys a couple of weeks ago where the young lads came through in the end. Like, it was a tough out game away. So, um, Joe Ross Maloney is another guy he just doesn't get the credit he just goes about class his he's class isn't he yeah. goes about his business Reese Rudder kind of the same thing like you don't actually miss them until they're out <laughs> and you don't really appreciate exactly <laughs> what Maloney they do on the every time he plays a game he's playing a final 
Yeah. yeah. That's the kind of attitude he has. Like, no matter who he's playing, it's like, I'm playing finally. He's always, he always looks angry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, he's a guy who gets rewarded for his like performances, thankfully, but he never kind of drops, does he? He never no, kind of rests on his laurels. You could argue that people like Ross Maloney and Reece Strudick are more valuable than like a Johnny Sexton in the sense that they're there every week Hell keeping yeah. Leinster in order, keeping everything mm. intact, making sure the points are coming in. Yep. Or Johnny goes away and plays for Ireland, comes back, might play a couple of games for Leinster. Mm. But those guys are there week in, week out. Like, that's what makes Leinster who they are I think yeah yeah, but like I think you know we're rugby lovers enthusiasts players you know and we see the the we know the work that doesn't get the reward and that's the work <laughs> these guys do yeah. like it's all well and good being on the end of a try but like have you looked at the phases that built up to that and all the yep. clearing of rucks and winning a ball and gain line carries and winning line outs and it's the little little moments that are pivotal to that that big one you know that big defining moment that everyone celebrates but like it's the little jigsaw yeah. pieces before that like and yeah. that's where these boys like Reese Ruddock jeez he just I don't know how he's not injured more actually because to be honest he just takes the ball out against three or four men What's his nickname again? Manchild they call him that's his nickname Oh yeah Manchild <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so Leinster at the top of the URC with 13 out of 13 as Lindsay said and Ooh. they're just running away with the thing 61 points at the top closest to them is Stormers with 45 points in second it's just seems like a foregone conclusion on, is Leinster are going to finish I'm just going to give us a new Come name we're like the pantomime villain the of the yeah. rugby world yeah look yeah. Yeah. and I might be wrong but I think Leinster are 17 games out of 17 in total all yeah, competitions yeah. which is just nuts like, and say that again Greg <laughs> 17 <laughs> out of 17 we, we don't have to split Leinster in half yeah oh here it's like Dublin football we had the conversation with Dubs it's time to do it now yeah well done Leinster you're flying it <laughs> it's uh, a joke by the way going over to the west of Ireland Connacht are playing 43-24 they beat the Lions they played really, really well. Um, we had Blade got a hat trick, Caelan Blade. He was light and he was like a man possessed, that fella. Incredible. Uh, we probably give a shout out to Jack Carty, who's become the top point scorer in Connacht history, breaking Eric Elwood's all time record. And uh, just incredible stuff out of Jack Carty. Just consistency again. There's another person, like we mentioned, yeah. like a Reese Ruddock and a Rasmoni, just getting the work done week in, week out, no complaints. Um, but would you ever think, Lindsay, that a Caelan Blade or Jack Carty will ever get a sniff of an Irish jersey? Do you know what? You took towards them as I was watching them there Saturday even after we finished our own game and Jack Carty skipped pass, um, which led to one of the tries and I was like, how are you not here? Like he does some, exce- like his crossfield kick two weeks ago to John, for John Porch's try in the Challenge Cup and you're kind of looking at these moments of magic yeah. and you're like... How are you not? Like, what are you not doing to get in an Ireland jersey? Look around, Joey Carberry can't even get into the squad oh, now. I know. You've got, look how good Ben Healy was the weekend. He's fecking off to Scotland because yeah. he can't even get a sniff to get into our training squad. Do you know what? John Cooney with the nines gone off. We're giving out. Like, John Cooney's brilliant. Mm. Like, that's why Caelan Way can't get in. You're forgetting about, uh, his name has gone from head now as well, the Connacht backup nine. Kieran Marmion. Kieran Marmion. Kieran Marmion played a pivotal role that time he beat the All Blacks back in 2018. Not even that long ago was one of the best players Mm. in the bitch. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. You're You're looking around and you know and you're like and like Bundy can't even get into the squad now whatever is going on underneath (laughs) that like but there is absolute more he's obviously gone wild or something I don't know but I won't be setting out any drama but Huh? Bundy's no, in he hasn't side. been in the last few Connacht squads. Like we were talking about that last oh, week, but yeah. Munster sniffing around and Andy Friend was asked about it since and Andy Friend said that it's only paper talk. But then he kind of backtracked and he was like, so for, to, down to or my something. knowledge, he'll be here next year. Like, And I was like, well, look, you won't even be here next year. Like, so <laughs> what It wasn't much. Like, I mean, look, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like, I don't think it was a very, oh no, absolutely not. He's mm. committed. And he and he also said that he was he he was he stood by his decision not to play him in that game last week where they lost out in the home 
a last 16 because yeah, they, but he did, well, it's they lost the way to Newcastle. Yeah, but it? he didn't play him. He's like, oh, I still stand by my decision not to play him. So there's something going on there. Now. I don't care. You can, you, I mean, and everyone next week can see that. Yeah. And it, like it'll eventually come out, but like there's some, like either he's had a fallout or I don't know. But then like Bundy is in Portugal, but like you're kind of looking at centres again. You're like, he hasn't had game time. Henshaw yeah. has only come back from injury. Um, Jamie Osborne deserves to be in the call-up, but do you take a chance on him because we're away to the principality and that will define our Six Nations I and how Bundy successful. Will play in the Irish he probably will, but it's yeah. crazy to think that like he's like he just go straight in and start. Like I mean, I personally like I would have McCluskey in there with Ring Russ. I put him in high five there to you that. Go. See, that's what I Pick would do. Me 20, but, you know, Fair. as much I love like Bundy's class, but uh, throwing him into the Test Cauldron against Wales and the Principality against a fired up Welsh team like under Gatlin. Like, Gatlin, do, he'd do the job, Bundy. Would. I'm sure he would. Do like, you think McCluskey deserves it? Physicality more wise, yeah. I'd pick yeah. McCluskey. I think, and yeah, and I think he's deserved it. And I think he, if we're going to give him that chance, he deserves to really build on his performances. I think yeah. he's a guy who needs consistently and that belief that we've, we've spoken and I about. Think, uh, what McCluskey brings in as well is that kind of element of surprise where, like. Something like Gatlin's going to have something up his sleeve. It's Warren mm-hmm. Gatland. I'm actually quite afraid of that first game against Wales. I was not, I was in before Gatlin came in, I was like, yeah, we're going to walk this game. <laughs> I've, heard no people, I've heard people tipping Wales to win it. I was actually oh, man, offended. I, I was I like, I'm what? telling you, I would not. I would I not put it past them. If we lose the first game, yeah. Warren Gatlin is a cute. I won't say it. Do you know what I mean? It's Warren Gatlin's. When Warren Gatlin coming back in for his first game in the principality, do not, do not Do not think that Warren Gatlin coming in is just too much of a change no, for them there's no. every chance they can win that game there's no like, and I'm like as, as good as Ireland are and as like, as hopeful as I am of a, a Six Nations win or a Grand Slam that could be a, 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 a really? slippery first game oh, Very I think slippery. we're underestimating this I think it's the hardest place and actually uh, Anthony Watson put that in his interview didn't he it's one of his favourite places to go because he was saying the seats are so close and when yeah. the roof is closed and it's the crowd a, is roaring at you and abusing you <laughs> yeah. the principality yeah. yeah well you've you've nicely moved me on to the next part of this uh, chat is the Six Nations preview guys you're welcome yeah well done <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the predictions you're predicting that we're going to lose the first game which no. I don't like no. no we're not predicting but what I'm saying is it's not going to be like all sunshine and roses and we're not just going to storm into Principality get our win and go home it's <laughs> going to be a tough game that result will define us won't it yeah. it'll define our success in this Six Nations yeah. do you know if if I think it's the it's the one like one fixture I'd be like oh god no like yeah. we need like so we're talking about blood and like players and getting them in I'd be picking our strongest squad going to Wales 100%. now like Johnny is in England and France at home oh yeah I'd be Johnny, like, okay. is Johnny is in like, like you know, we've England and France at home like you're always you're always going to back Ireland and Aviva no matter who we play we're going to back Ireland and Aviva we've beaten New Zealand there we've beaten South Africa there we've beaten yeah. Australia there we've beaten England there before we've beaten France there you'll back any team in the world to come at us mm-hmm. in the Aviva Okay, going to Scotland. No offense to the Scots, like we're going to beat Scotland in Edinburgh, and I wouldn't be worried about beating Scotland in Edinburgh. I wouldn't be worried about beating Italy over in Italy, but I would be damn worried about going to the Principality of beating Wales. Yep. And the fact that it's the first game, like, is it, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Probably a good thing, mm-hmm. because I said it could be a launch pad, or it could be a oh shit, we lost yeah. this. Now we really got it. Now we're backs against the wall for the rest of the tournament. No, big time. <laughs> and I think even if Wales lose it, right, I think they're going to have some big. I think they will scalp someone along the way. Like I think hmm. that's the effect Warren Gatland has. I think he's that Ron O'Gara, like Ron O'Gara with La Rochelle and dismantling Leinster. I think he will have that. I think yeah. he's that extra kind of spice because he will look at our weaknesses and he will have something up his sleeve to dismantle He's probably us. the most experienced active coach in the world alongside maybe Eddie Jones. Like, mm-hmm. Do you know, he's, people forget like Gatlin started off coaching us how many years ago? You know what I mean? And he was like, uh, I actually read an article during the week about it, like kind of, he didn't get enough credit because he actually 
was the first person to come in and really give Ireland a bit of a launch pad and move us on from being the wooden spoon crowd for which was what we were for a long time mm. so he, he's done that like he's brought away he's won three grand three four grand slams at Wales plus more titles he's coached uh, three Lions tours beating the All Blacks were they in the semi-final he's done everything like it's Warren Gatland he's, he will have <coughs> something up his sleeve without a doubt yeah. and he's brought in a couple of new players and he, he said it himself that's the, it's the biggest squad he wouldn't normally pick such a big squad as a 37 man squad he picked yeah. during the week yeah. um, he's Rio Dyer in there who we've, we've given lots of credit on this show with tries week in week out in the URC and had a good autumn international and I think he's four uncapped players in that squad as well so I think when I was asked a question during the week about how would it affect I think how him and Steve Borthwick I think he will have uh, the biggest effect initially like mm. like straight away because of the crowd yet the group of players he's already coached and then the new players in I think he'll have such an effect on I think Bortwick's will be an interesting one when we, when we get on to the Anthony Watson chat like we'll put that part in where he speaks about Bortwick but the one thing that stood out for me when he was I was asking him like I say he, he loved Eddie Jones he said he was surprised Eddie Jones mm. left to be honest with you he said he gave him a lot he complimented Bortwick without saying oh, this isn't a diss on Eddie Jones this is just what I think he Bortwick was clear about that wasn't yeah, he yeah very clear about that <laughs> but he pointed out that he said when he saw so he's with Leicester Tigers we signed for him in the summer which we've been with him at the start of the season and he came into him like, in the summer like, and was basically okay this is what you need to work on he said I've watched uh, every single one of your carries for the last three years so he sat down in front of a computer and watched every single carry Anthony Watson made over the space of three seasons and he was like what? And he's like, that was when I kind of mm. sat up and I was like, okay, this guy is like, his attention to detail is like second to none. Yeah. So that's what he's going to bring. He said he's very, very clear cut in his, his, in his instructions to his players. So like you look at that English team on paper, I think maybe like, no offense to Eddie, like Eddie is a bit of a, a wild one. Like I don't think the players half the time know if they're going to be in the team the following week, mm. like, because it's the kind of guy he is. He's a, he's, he's a bit crazy. Yeah, like. he is. But as I think with Bortwick, they're going to be so, he's going to give them such clear instructions and that when you have the squad that they have, mm. that is a dangerous combination. Yeah. And I, that was the interesting part, part of that yeah. actually and also that he was so accountable um, as a coach that, yeah. you know, if he made mistakes, he put up his hand and I think, I think that's a, going to be a culture shock for them that I think they'll have such clarity of how they play. They'll be able to express themselves, but they'll have a clear framework of, of something to, like a launch pad. Um, and I think that's the other big point. If he can get England going, they've probably more of a standout selection of world-class players to play for. If he can just bring them all together to play, I think I don't think they're going to do it in this Six Nations. I think he's too little time for me personally, but um, I could be probably... Yeah, I think England are too undercooked. Yeah. Yeah. They need more time under Steve Bortwick, but they'll probably be better than what they were, more cohesive and have like a team ethos building in towards the World Cup in the next couple of months. But I don't see them being good enough to win a Six Nations no. with the likes of Ireland. France and Scotland are decent and even though Scotland have lost their last seven Six Nations opening games when playing away mm -hmm. which is a mad stat that Pat pulled up for us there so they're going away to Twickenham and they'll have the likes of our very own Ben Healy hopefully on the bench and you're thinking John Cooney's going over as well Jason yeah so he's not we get this right now Pat is not, he's not eligible until like the second or third week of the Six Nations yeah. because he had played normally of the three year stand down so he had played like a game for Ireland the first game that, three yeah. years ago for, so they're waiting for that but he said Gregor Towson uh, was asked during the Six Nations launch we had with the Joe lads over there like, and he was like um, yeah like I have spoke to him and he is interested and we're interested so and why Finn wouldn't Russell, you take him yeah Finn Russell had a good game against La Rochelle the weekend scoring 24 points so like I'm thinking to my, when, I, when I saw that I was like oh 
it's Ben Healy now after ruffling feathers and Finn is kind of finally now well, Finn, Finn has to start that because Finn yeah. is the, he's the maverick but he is but, but my only issue with him is he's so he's different to Dupont and Dupont is, is consistent and he's artistic and he flows but Finn Russell can be sublime and then he can be poor for me like he's yeah. inconsistent so I'm like alright do you have a challenge now that you might bring this consistency and really we can see what you can do in a Scotland jersey yeah do you know what I mean that's true he has been like that Like, but like he's a brilliant 10 ah, like, I mean yeah. you just he's the one guy like the reason you have him in that 10 jersey is the fact that can he spit. can turn a game yeah. like that he can split up in any defence like, yeah. you know? oh, yeah. he, he did it in the Champions Cup there at a what game we were watching against Leinster, week. Against Leinster yeah. when he just out of nothing and you're like what? Big skip pass. What? Big skip it's pass on his left. How do you even do yeah. this? Like, and, like, I think Finn Russell just... starts if he's fit, but then Ben Healy probably on the bench. Ben's so like reliable. Do you know what I mean? You bring him on for about 10, 15 minutes. Good guy to bring on as well as, as Munster yeah. have done in the past. If you are like trailing the game by a couple of points and you can get this guy in the bench, you can kick a penalty from 55 metres. Bring him Not on. Not a bad weapon. Like, we've done that a few times. Would you use them then in that axis that you use Carberry or Jack Crowley and, and Carberry in that 10, 12? That's what I was thinking and then bring 12. Ben Healy. Yeah, you keep... So you think Scotland have their own they have good, good centres already? Have, like, but yeah. it'd be, be more, more to close the game. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like as in rugby, I know it's probably Eddie that kind of made that uh, when he coined this term finishers. Mm. But like the term finishers, like your bench, especially at elite level test rugby like the Six Nations, mm. your bench is almost as important as your starting team now. Yeah. So like even like we, that's something we missed on uh, we, we, we meant to chat about is like the bench for Ireland. That bench what we pick, we have all these great players and we kind of know probably about 95% of the starting lineup, which is fair enough. But that bench, there's probably, you know, five or six positions there, whatever, whatever it is that are there's five or six players that can switch in and out. Up for grabs, yeah. Up for grabs, essentially. So, who would your back row be starting for Wales, Ireland? Who's on your bench? Who's your starting back row? This I found this really hard. Tough. Both that's a question of both you. Uh, I, I, I don't know how I don't know what to put on the, at the bench because like, it's just very hard. But I know I think my back starting back row is Peter O'Mahony, Josh Vanderfleer, and Jack Conan. I think. Well, you went with Conan. I'm oh, going to go with Conan as as. Is that as Sorry, not to tag. Dar- no, sorry. Yeah, Doris. Doris today. Oh, Excuse me. Right. Sorry. Whew. I was getting confused because I, I thought I had Doris at six. I have a Mahoney at six. I have Van der Fleer at seven and Doris at eight. And then, and then who's on your bench? Do you have, I don't know, do you have a Jack Conan there or do you have a Coombs there? I don't know, to be honest with you. Or like, who else have we got in there? I went controversially. It's Coombs at eight. Who'd you go with? Coombs at eight, Doris at six, Van der Fleer at seven and a Mahoney on the bench. I don't think Coombs is ready to start yet. I went for physicality against the Welsh with him, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I went with him at eight because I think they will come with physicality against us and try and slow that game down. But then I'm like, oh, you're leaving Jack Conan now, who's finally starting to build as he comes along. Like, it, it was so hard. <laughs> it's not easy. No. Who would you have? <laughs> I think I'm going to say back rows yourself yeah. with Doris uh, O'Mahony and Van de Fleer with uh, Coombs on the bench. Because I think okay. Coombs can play six and eight and you can chop around other guys. But I think Coombs covers more than Jack Throw Conan. Throw him in the second row as well if you're stuck. Throw him in the second row as well. He's just such a good person to have on the bench for the back five mm. of the scrum. So I think that's the way they're going to do it. And Coombs, I hold him close to my heart. He's from Skibbereen as a monster man. I was in the academy system with him. He's playing yeah, he's really playing well. well. Look at me now. So I think he's going to push his way onto the bench. I think Prendergast might lose out. Yeah. Um, what I'd love to see is what they do is, okay, so if they go with, let's say for talk's sake, they go with McCluskey at 12 and Ringrose at 13. Do you have Aki on the bench as your 23? Because Aki's a 12. That's it. That's all he is. No offense, like he he can't play anywhere else. Maybe maybe thirteen, like, but he's realistically he's a twelve. But whereas if you had someone like a Jimmy O'Brien in there, he can cover. Well, see, I had on my be- my bench going through this during the week. I had Crowley and O'Brien as my twenty two and twenty three because they both can play centre 
full back. They kind of are utility players. But then I was like, then they're so young. Do you know, it was so hard to play. I didn't have Aki in my, on my yeah. bench. Actually, do you have Crowley or Byrne on the bench? I had Crowley. You Crowley. Do you have Crowley or Byrne on the bench? Crowley. Just because right. he covers more positions. And I think he needs that time now at this stage to really build on really, again, good performances. But like Ross, Ross Byrne has come up there as well. So, and even looking at the nines then, you're like, I was just to say, Craig Casey. We have to ask ah. that because that is a conversation that we've been going on for 12 months. And now with Murray being dropped out of the Munster squad and Casey playing really well at the moment, it's probably going to be Gibson Park starting. Is it Casey or Murray on the bench? So <laughs> I argued with this because I'm like, if we're ahead, then you want Conor Murray on to manage your game. Yeah. But if you're if it's lying in the balance and you want to really bring a big, probably Welsh team and keep that speed of play going, you want Casey. And my heart is saying Gibson Park and Casey. But my mind is like, you need Conor Murray for experience in game management. Think, Especially if you have Crowley and O'Brien on the bench. it's probably going to be Gibson Park starting with speed, let's be I honest. Think Gibson Park starting, I think yeah. Murray's on the bench. I don't think Casey's put his hand on that jersey oh. just yet. But it's coming like a train. But I think Murray's still holding on to it. Two as you said, Murray's so reliable. Yeah, and it is, it is, what's your game plan? Yeah, and Casey yeah. adjusts. Would you back him? We're, we're ahead by two points or something to come on and close out the game with 20 minutes to go. Murray coming on, you're like, all right. No, go. but if you're, I suppose it depends what way your game plan is. But if you were losing... All right, it was a close game. Oh, yeah, and bring you Casey need on to spark. speed it up. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Murray's going to come on and win He's you a game. Safe, yeah. He's going to come on and close out a game for you. So, are we backing ourselves that, like, come 60, 70 minutes, we only need a closer? We don't need someone to win the game for us. And I Which think it's going to be close. Attitude, yeah, we should have. Yeah, it's going to mm. be close. But our attitude should be not, I don't know. Do you want spark off the bench or do you want, I don't know, familiarity and solidity off the bench? Oh, uh, look, he too could honestly <laughs> chat till the cows come home. So I'm going to cut in here because you're going to keep chatting. Oh, we will see. Okay. Andy Farrell's one picking the team. So we'll see what comes we'll out. Go but it could, could go finishes. anyway. <laughs> uh, so we think England's going to win. We think uh, Ireland's going to win, but it's going to be close. And then Italy are playing France. They're in, Italy. Italy. Now I'm um, putting my hands on Scotland to beat England away just for controversy. Okay, okay cool. Huh? And we're um, going to beat Wales yet. Okay. That's going to be the big upset of that round. And France are obviously going to smash Italy away. But Kieran Crowley is doing well with Italy, but I just think France are way too good and they're on a winning streak oh. and that's going to be winning Troy against yeah, France at home know, that's, those Italians you these two drinking before I came in like. I'm just hoping there's no I'm way Italy are eating France I'm well. just trying to I don't have enough existence. I'm hoping it into existence not a yeah, chance wishing not it. a chance Come I like your optimism Come but there's no way France are way too good I know, yeah, and true. they're building up into their home world cup and so I want to ask you guys standout player for the Six Nations one of them from any team Dupont Dupont yeah Antoine obvious. Dupont he's, I know but what I about, actually do like what about Dupont out of the equation because uh, he's obviously going to be Entomac. nice good choice there can be only one Ring Ross. I was going to pick him I, I left him to you <laughs> if he keeps going the way he's going to be going he's going to be like he's going to be Six Nations player of the tournament heard it here first yeah yeah true I just think um, for myself I think Van der Fleer is just going to be class as always because he's going to start he's going to get 80 minutes every game I think he's going to be standout player which is, they're very obvious ones mm -hmm. but you kind of have to go with the obvious ones that's why they're standout players breakout star um, anyone kind of left Rio Dyer wow I like that one yeah well I am I think he's I think Gatlin will instill that confidence and he'll, he'll have plays to get him into a match and I think once he gets space and his hand on ball I, I see him do great things I like the way your mind's thinking Lindsay Nice. I think I'm a back inside a forwards body. <laughs> 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 Breakout player. Breakout I think Jack Crowley. 
Yeah, yeah, this is going to be his chance this week. This is really, this is his first real big, big chance. And this I think if he, he gets it. game time, though, I think he will. I think he oh, will. I think he will. I think he will. I think he will get game time. Yeah, Whether it's a ten start. or twelve, um, he might get a start against uh, an Italy or someone like that, or even a Scotland. You just don't know. Depends, probably not. But imagine we have a Jack Crowley starting a ten against Ben oh, Healy. Realistically, you shouldn't oh, be starting God. Johnny five games. Like you really shouldn't. But we don't know what. I I, I trust in Farrell. I do trust Farrell. I do as well. Yeah, yeah Brego start for me. Seco Makalu. Plays for France. Yeah, yeah. I don't, he's I don't plays for Stade Francais as well. He runs like a back and he's mm. huge. Yeah. And I just think he's incredible. Probably one of the best athletes I've ever seen yeah. in the world. Watch out for him playing for France. He's he back row, is he? Plays in the back row, but yeah. he stands out in the wing. He plays as a winger in face play. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, 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 he's yeah. he wasn't a Stade Francais. He, in his beautiful pink jersey, he went... Um, Around the pitch or something. Yeah, yeah. He, he scored like a winger. like. Yeah, and he plays freak. sevens. Doesn't he the next seven? Yeah, he's fair? crazy yeah. fast. like, yeah. And he's just massive. So him, I think he's going to be the... Proper break. Nice choice, he's been around for a while, but I think he's really like uh, kind of leveled out now and mm. matured a bit. So, and France are utilizing his athletic abilities out in the wing. So, watch out for him for France. Winners of the Six Nations, I think it's going to be Ireland. Ireland. But we're going to have a loss along the way, I think, at some stage. We're winning on like points difference or something. What do you think, Jason? I think Ireland will just sneak it, I think, yeah. But all it comes down to, I don't think there'll be a grand slam yeah. for anyone, I don't think. But I could be wrong. I think if we win the opening game, we will. A grand slam. You think? Really? Yeah. I do because I think that'll be a France big thing. At home, so it's but yeah, I've, I see us. Uh, I think it's going to be a cracker against the French um, and the, and England. I think will come all guns blazing. But I think if we can get that win away in, in Wales, I think yeah, we could. If any team will have a grand slam and a win, it'll be us. And, and do you think that if we do get a grand slam, it'll be just way too much for us going into World Cup and we'll be way too out in front? No, what my only concern is like he d- like I trust him Farrell as well, so I do think Jamie Osborne does that needs his time like I had an even argument in my head would you pick Henderson on the bench or would you go with Joe McCarthy um, who's a man mountain like uh, Crowley needs to get game time Jimmy O'Brien's playing well who's our nine so we only have these five matches and then the three um, test matches before World Cup how is he going to use those games to really reward lads Figure who deserve team, it yeah. yes um, like we're talking about Scotland now have great players and they're probably starting 15, 16, 17 but they haven't had depth so that's where Cooney and Ben Healy come in so it is, if you're going to be successful internationally, you need depth. We've probably too much now. And now where the, like some of the decisions, I'd hate to be making them. Mm, yeah, no, it's going to be tough. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Wooden Spoon, are we, I think Italy are actually in a good space, Taz, but like who are they going to end up beating? Do you know what I mean? Will they probably get the Wooden Spoon this year? Even though they're in it's good form. T- it's a tough one. Everyone's like, in good form. It all depends. Like, I mean, like, Wales could go either way. Wales could beat Ireland. That's the thing. Gatlin coming in there, like is that kind of, it's that joker card, like, yeah. do you know, so like if Wales, if we go out and hammer Wales, they could just drop and they could finish last. Scotland, depending on how they get on against England, that's where their six nations is going to go. And then Italy, you'd expect a scalp, but you just don't know what you're going to get from Italy. So no. it could be any of those three, to be honest with you. I yeah. don't see it happening to England, France or Ireland. Looking, no. Do you know? No, neither do I. Right, time for a never stop competing moments of the week, guys. We're giving it to the stalwart out in the West, Tiernan O'Halloran, who, I don't know if you saw the game, he ran and charged down the Lions kicker and uh, Kellen Blade ended up scoring off it. Yeah, so and he got, good effort. it was actually his, Jack Harty skip try, skip pass for his try as well. So mm-hmm. he, had, um, he had a great game, actually. Yeah. Tiernan O'Halloran, well done, fella. Still fighting the fight over there in the West. He's been around with you donkeys, like. Good player. Yeah, great player. player. Great guy to have out there. So you get a never stop competing moment of the week. Tiernan, well done, lad. And now we're going to chat to Tig Leader, who's played with Connacht and now he's over in America. Um, and I think he's playing a bit of football as a kicker. But first, here's Jason's chat with Leicester, England and Lions star Anthony Watson on behalf of Stat Sports. 
I have to kick start and ask you about the biggest topic that's in rugby at the moment is this whole new waste tackling, uh-huh. waste high tackling at club level. So it's not just us, not just kids. It's actually like fully grown men and fully women at amateur level who are being forced to tackle now. Uh, some big names have come out, like some of your teammates and some guys across rugby. Um, we're just looking there at the list of guys that have come out. Joe Marler, obviously, massively against it. Uh, Luke Cowan Dickey, um, even uh, Lewis Ludlow was saying it. Even that World Cup winner, uh, Pat Merchant, she was saying that she retired from rugby due to concussion, like, but hers was from from hip tackles, from from low, from low bangs. Even Sonny B. Williams was laughing, saying that. If there's anyone in any clubs in England looking to sign him up, like he reckons his off game would be pretty good. But what do you t- yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's silly like or do you think it's the right move or what? Uh I mean, being brutally honest, I do think it's it's a bit um what's the right word? It's probably just a bit rushed in my opinion. I think that it probably needed to be um A, it needed player input, in my opinion, or more so than whatever it did have. Um, both professional community, I think that player input is vital to any changes that need to happen because we're the ones who are playing, not the the lawmakers, not the guys who um, you know, look at you know all the health stuff, et cetera, et cetera. You need guys who are on the, the front line who can who can tell you what they think. Um, so you can make a, a fully rounded judgment. I think that anything that doesn't include the players. And that's from law changes to any implementation of, of anything across the game needs to have the players' input. And so far, um, not just with this, with everything, it doesn't seem to happen. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, you know, concussions happening as a result of, of high tackles compared to low tackles, I would probably say that from my personal experience, um, I definitely feel that low tackles particularly like you said around the knees around the hips do generate um you know more of a risk than otherwise um and you know there's obviously certain scenarios where you're not going to be able to tackle low necessarily so i just think that it is a rushed um judgment call by whoever's made the, the decision um i think that there needed to be a little bit more dedicated time into what they're actually trying to achieve and how they're trying to achieve it um but yeah i don't i i'd be surprised if it if it ends up coming into fruition because i just don't think it's going to work and i think that it may it, it brings a whole host of other issues into the game that it really doesn't need right now which is you know people you know not joining rugby because of this very reason people coming away from rugby because of this very reason um and also you know you have to highlight the impact that has on the referees. Um, no one wants a game where, which is stop start. And if you're, if you're highlighting um, both attacking and defensive players, body height and giving penalties for that, you're going to end up with games where there's 25, 30 penalties. And which is basically turns into American football. You stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. It's like, you know, by, by alleviating one end of the, the game in terms of, you know, the concussion stuff, you're basically reinventing the entire sport. Looking ahead to the Six Nations, obviously, um, Bortwick is someone you would know see Bortwick well. Obviously, you're with Leicester now, so you've played on him and you obviously would have played with him with England when he was part of the panel before that. Um, what do you think he's going to bring to England? I know you won't be involved at the beginning, but what do you think he's going to bring like, uh, to, to, to the England setup going forward? Yeah, I think he'll, he'll just add um, an enhanced clarity, potentially. Um, and that's not to say that Eddie didn't provide clarity at all. I would never badmouth Eddie under any circumstance, he was amazing to me. So 
Um, everything I say about Steve is not at Eddie's discredit. I just want to make that clear. Um, but Steve is, is a very clear coach. Um, he knows and explains explicitly what is expected of players in every position group. Um, his game plans are are detailed, but also simple, um, which is so easy for players to get behind. Um, he makes it very relevant to each individual as well. So, you know, no matter what the game plan is, you understand what is expected of you within that game plan, which I think is really beneficial. Um, and he's also just a straight talker um, in terms of, you know, whether you're playing or not playing, he'll tell you what he wants to see from you. Um, he'll tell you what you need to do to be started, what you need to do to improve, uh, where you can get 5%, 10% better. And I think that that's really important. You don't want people to say to you, I'll just keep doing what you're doing because, um, you know, no one gets better in, in that situation. Um, he's very accountable as well. So, you know, he'll say if he made a mistake and I think that that's, it's very easy for coaches to not do that. And he's the first one to say if he's made a mistake, which I think is, it shows how honest the bloke he is and how, um, you know, he understands and appreciates that no one's perfect. Um and then, yeah, his attention to detail is just ridiculous. You know, I, I said it before in the media. At the start of pre-season, he said that he'd watched every one of my carries for three years um, and what I needed to do better in terms of, you know, preserving the ball. So I was, at that point, I was taken aback. I was like, I mean, I don't know how many carries that would have been, but it must have been two, three hundred to sit behind a computer and watch that many clips is crazy. Yeah. You've toured with the Lions in 2017 and 2021. Obviously, I can imagine 2021 was a hell of a lot different because of COVID and whatnot. I'm sure it wasn't as fun, but yeah. you know, and, and obviously the fact that you didn't get the result over there. But um, any good stories? I mean, I, I probably I always love listening about Lions stories and guys like, getting into mix with other countries. Like, have you any good stories, or was there any like Irish, Welsh, or Scottish fellas that you ended up making friends with over that you didn't think you'd make friends with? Oh, yeah. I, I, again, I've probably said this before, but, um, you know, you go on the tour um, and you kind of, you don't know people, but you know of of other lads from other teams and, and you, you kind of think about, oh, who am I going to be close with and who am I not? And there's obviously a few that I knew I was going to be cool with and I was cool with, like, you know, like Liam Williams, um, Josh Adams, Duhan Landemo. I knew that those guys I'd probably get on with just from hearing about them. Um, but then... You know, there's there's also guys that you think, mate, I'm not going to spend any time with this bloke whatsoever. Like, we're going to have nothing in common. Um, and it's always the props. Like, in, in 2017, um, it was Tyg Furlong. And I was like, before I was like, I think I this he's going to be pissed when he hears this. But I'm pretty sure I tried to pronounce his name as Tadig or something like that. And he was fuming. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I was just thinking before, like, mate, he plays in the front row. I'm on the wing. We couldn't look any different. Um, so like we are not going to be cool. And then next thing you know, two weeks or a week after the tour, we're in Vegas together. I absolutely loving life. So he was <laughs> one from 2017. And then in the most recent one, it was uh it was Wynn Jones. Um again, wouldn't it's the farmers, mate. I don't know what it is about these farmers, bro. Um <laughs> but um yeah, he was just an absolute legend. He robbed me a lot playing cards though. Um, he's a real hustler, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky bloke. So I'll find a way of getting my cheese back. <laughs> I know, Frank Tyg obviously is like uh, a god over here. Like he's probably one of the most loved. I think it's because I mean, he's just um, there's no bullshit about him, isn't he? And he's pretty unfiltered, yeah. isn't he? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's what's what's class about those two blokes in particular. Is they're just 
they don't try and be anything like you know what I mean they're just what you see is what you get and straight talking straight to it and that's that's how it is yeah. <laughs> you should have seen him in the you should have seen him in the nightclub in, in the queue for um there's a nightclub called Dre's which is gen- in Vegas which is generally uh you know quite uh it's like hip-hop rap music um I'm not sure Tiger knew what he was getting himself into but I've never seen a bloke look more out of place in the queue in my life <laughs> I can imagine um, yeah. he got some funny looks anyway with all the doubts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but mate, he walked in there like he owned the place, so uh, he did all right. <laughs> oh, Obviously, look, we've chatted about stats for performance over here. So, for anyone listening, we'll have this on our podcast and stuff, and any fans. We obviously know no stats sports as that little vest you put on and your GPS tracker at the back. But for people that wouldn't be aware, like, I mean, what does that exactly measure for players? Obviously, you use them in training and matches. What, what's, what yeah. kind of stats are you taking in? Oh, mate, there's so many on there. I wouldn't be able to list a lot of them. For me personally, the ones that the main ones that I'd look at is is total distance, which okay. is a questionable measurable because, you know, you obviously spend a lot of time walking around and, um, you know, in breaks, you just walk, speak to someone, walk back and that. So some people don't even look at total volume. They just look at metres above, you know, four metres per second or three metres per second, which is generally running. Um but my biggest metric would be to look at uh, sprint distance um, and top speed. Um, you know, on a day-to-day, you know, so like a training week, I'll always try and hit above 90% of my um, max velocity to make sure that, you know, my tissues and all that are firing where they should be at. And then I've got a metric in terms of how much high-speed running I need to be doing in the week. All of that is generally just used as as injury prevention and um and also you know if you're trying to get faster it's, it's easy to be able to see what gains you're making if you're hitting you know nine three nine four and it's trending upwards then you know that your your training is complementing your speed so um i think that it's a it's an absolutely necessary tool for for team athletes and individual athletes as well who are looking to to who are really serious about training um yeah i i wouldn't go out and run without a GPS on at all anymore, whether it's a straight up 5K or whether it's a, a speed session or whatever, I would never do it without a GPS or without my stat sports yeah. ever. It just wouldn't make sense to me anymore. I know what you mean. Who, who's topping the speed chart thing that's moment? Surely yourself, is it? No, 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 no. I don't know, man. I haven't been back there. I haven't been there. Until yeah. This, so, uh, who, who's, who, who do you think now? Who would be topping it all? Like, even at Leicester, who's topping the chart uh, speed? I'm not, I actually genuinely don't know at Leicester. Yeah. I don't know who's got the top. No, I don't. Joe Browning, he's, he's a young, yeah. young uh, winger. He's probably up there. And Harry Simmons, who scored saw score that mental try last week against Claremont, he'll be up there as well. Um, Harry Potter, Guy Porter. There's a lot of fast players at Leicester. To be fair, there is, and and you can never rule out Ashy, Chris yeah. Ashton, bro. Really <laughs> he still got us. Fast, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know who would be the fastest in the England squad now, to be fair. Um, there's a lot of guys in there who, who who are surprisingly quick, like Henry Slade is surprisingly fast. You wouldn't think it, but he's he's quick. Um, and then, to be honest, I haven't actually played or trained with a lot of the back three in there now, um, so I wouldn't be able to, to pass judgment. But yeah. Ollie Hassel-Collins looks rapid, so I'd say him. Yeah, definitely. All right, lads, we have a guest in studio who's... Formerly played with Connacht and then went over to America playing with San Diego and the USA. Mr. Tyg Leader, thank you very much for joining us, sir. 
Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, you've had a mad journey since last time I met you. A couple of years ago, um, you were pl playing with Connacht, and since then you've went and uh, applied your trade over in America. Can you give a quick synopsis of your <laughs> journey? Because I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went over to the US probably like in 2015 initially to, to study because I was coming off some surgeries and I was kind of thinking, I'm done with serious rugby. Um, so studying out there and then along came Major League Rugby uh, in 2018. Initially, I talked to some teams. I said, nah, I'm, I'm not going back. I, I kind of had felt, you know, experienced mm -hmm. that world and, you know, wasn't wasn't overly keen to get back into it. But then one day San Diego called me and I thought, you know what, there's worse places to do. There's, there's <laughs> worse places to go for round two in this kind of the, the rugby Definitely. scene. So um, ended up playing there in San Diego. Loved it. Um, and then, then I was like, all right, I'm going to kind of get back into this maybe and see just see where it takes mm -hmm. me because it's exciting in the US. It was growing. Uh, been there year one and then played for New England Free Jacks, signed there for, say, two years, became American eligible. So then got some caps with the U.S. And then that's that was kind of the rugby scene. Then along came COVID and that's, no that, that's when the transition happened over to the American football side of things. And did you get citizenship with America from just being there as a resident? Or no you chance. No chance. Really? It should be nice to get citizenship because all, all yeah. foreigners, mm -hmm. we all so many Irish lads. Um, some I guess were born or the parents were born there so they get it but for me and a lot of the guys I think Luke Hart was chatting to Jack the last day I think Luke is going through he got to get visas yeah. and they just keep renewing visas so even though because that was one of my issues in American football I talked to quite a few American teams but uh, not having a visa or excuse me not having citizenship and needing a visa just adds so so, so much complications yeah. yeah so anyway um, it would be nice to have the citizenship but now they didn't mm. give it to me so how did you end up getting playing for America then? The How'd you qualify? Three-year rule, three. Yeah, the three-year eligibility rule, yeah, residency. Yeah, 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 yeah. Re residency. So residency nice. was great. My first time being called in, they were playing against uh, Ireland here in the Aviva back in twenty. I think Taylor in twenty eighteen. I was having a nightmare with World Rugby around eligibility. So I think the offices are based here. Yep. Yeah. Um, so then I remember them just calling me. I got Greg McWilliams from Bloody. Yeah, Blow I was going to ask where you yeah, you played Greg, under yeah. Greg. Yeah, yeah Greg was under the call me. They were in Romania somewhere random, and I was in Missouri. That was random. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, how far are you from the airport? And I was like, oh, what's, what's the crack? What's going on? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we're, we're going playing Ireland next week. Um, and like the general manager of USA Rugby was like, look, because I was having an issue with the eligibility. So yeah. I said, let's just get him over here on the ground here so we can kind of like, you know, get it done maybe quicker being based in Ireland. Um, so that was then, uh, yeah, that was 2018. And I remember kind of thinking like, oh, I'd be class if I was eligible to, yeah, play, to play this game. Mm. Um because I also played in the opening game with the Aviva. So I was like, well, like you know, probably 10 years earlier than that. So mm. I was like, what a random kind of series of events would be to make my debut against Ireland. Unfortunately, it wasn't eligible. Oh, but no. I got it a couple of months later, once in 20, early 2019. So that was the crack with the, with the, yeah, the USA Rugby sort of stuff. Class. And what was it like being involved in the MLR that was up and coming? So you went in San Diego and then you swapped over to New England Free Jacks. Yeah, so some actually experience. I went on loan to New Orleans as well in between. Forgot about that. No way. It's <laughs> nice. A brief one, yeah. Um, not over the place. Oh, it was class. No, MLR is class. Um, Something different. The, the now, infrastructure say, yeah. obviously wasn't, you know, kind of what it is here, say, mm. just in terms. Um, but it was growing. You could see the interest was there. I mean, like, I think our first you know, season in San Diego, we were still getting like 5,000 to a game, which wow. is the same as pretty much just playing in sports ground. Yeah. Um, except you have palm trees and sun every day. So that's <laughs> like, <laughs> not mean yeah, yeah. wind and rain and yeah, frostbite. Yeah. Um, so no, it was good. And then the, the quality of players started to pick up quite a lot. Um, I remember playing against one of the last games of rugby against New York and Bassero was standing directly opposite me. Class. I was like, oh God, don't come down my channel. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, 
it uh, it's, it's picking up and it's going mm. it is going from strength to strength so a lot better players are getting involved and i just think it's it's a kind of six seven month season so a lot of lads come from new zealand they play that um either 10 or npc whatever i'm not sure yeah. what it's called now and then they jump over and do a major league rugby season or some guys do japan or major league rugby so uh the level of play picked up a lot the interest just the general from the fans that was where the biggest thing people would always be like hey i have no clue what the hell was happening there when you guys were lifting each other up or <laughs> you know when these guys the eight guys hit each other but like i loved it you know, remember after the game he was chatting to fans yeah. they're like oh, i loved it so you can see that there's if it's done right and i guess major league rugby's doing a decent job that that hopefully be a pretty good catalyst although usa rugby hasn't been great the last few years but hopefully yeah. um you know it's, it's it is exciting and people get behind it so well, it's a good place to live and play and experience that yeah a lot of Irish lads going over like yourself yeah. obviously will leonard who i played shannon or see with he's over there sean mcnulty harry mcnulty went yeah. over as well a different a different kind of way of going about it. i think Colin marsh was there as well yeah, at one right, stage. He's playing in new york yeah yeah so it's definitely a cool route to do um and do you think mlr is a good option for irish guys to jump over and play rugby over there even though the usa as you said not not in a great the spot national body's yeah. not but i guess they the, as we were described as described to us once pretty early um kind of the infancy of the league was like they were like this is a, we're not usa rugby we're on we're our own entity but it's, it's like it's a entertainment brand which is the first time i ever heard that mm. kind of a you know the hierarchy telling us like we're entertainment we're yeah. not like a rugby club so american yeah like, i remember yeah. being like oh this is different um because that that was that, that team at that team i was with in, in boston i was the captain but i just come off doing like a sports management degree so i got to kind of step in to see more behind the scenes how it, how it all kind of worked. And remember, yeah, a lot of it was different, but no, I highly recommend it, especially lads who were kind of chatting off air, especially lads that are, you know, you could be at a province for three, four years, you might get five games a year maybe. Mm. And, um, you know, hopefully you kind of progress, but if not, like it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good scene to go play. If you, if you go and perform, I think it's respected enough then that you can come back. Quite a few English guys last year went over and then went mm. back to the premiership. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great place to get game time. And then just the culture of it and like where you get to go, things you get to see. Um, is good life yeah, it's experience. Just so it's just yeah, so different with what what we get access to here, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'd I'd be a big advocate of uh, giving Did it a crack. Ignite your love of rugby after probably like just turbulent time and injuries and just kind of resigning to the fact that you were going taking a different path. Yeah, oh, massively. Um, it was yeah, just enjoyed it again. Yeah. I guess I got into a bit of coaching as well at that point as well, so I started to love rugby again. Um, so yeah. as I mentioned, yeah, playing in these kind of locations definitely. The experience and I guess in Connacht I was just holding the tackle bag bloody choose it you know during the week and then you play yeah. it at the weekend and you know so it's just kind of like ah oh, and then you get hurt and then you're in the physio room and it's just it was a bit and then it's pissing rain half Sucks the time the fun so it was just kind of, yeah there was no yeah. fun there was absolutely zero fun you so get what you love it like yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of lost that so yeah definitely the experience in the US reignited that and then uh, as I said the coaching was class as well to try and get into that world and something that I'm I guess doing now that it was it uh yeah it came at the right time for me and was it Greg who contacted you about USA Rugby or did that just like, was he someone who drew you into that because of the Irish connection? Yeah. So when I first went over in 2015, I remember that at the time, the general manager of the national, they kind of reached out and said, hey, you you will be eligible in X amount of years. Yeah. So I guess it was always on my radar. But then all of a sudden I was ineligible. I went over on a rugby scholarship. I was ineligible to play rugby. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was a bit of a... <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Thankfully, my scholarship was academic. They worded it as academic, so I managed to keep my scholarship. Otherwise, you know, it's nice. expensive. So that worked out. Then I got into actually coaching and rugby agencies for like a year, which is interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, then when Greg got involved, he was the attack coach. 
um i guess we had like a few chats and mm -hmm. then yeah but he, he was he was definitely helpful he was definitely helpful in getting me in and kind of giving me some opportunity and uh it was nice it was, there was a big there was a big group of irish lads and at the time they were just beating scotland like lost to ireland but i think looked like to the 60th minute was like you know yeah, within a try or so um so the team at the time was riding high and there's, there's such a big irish connection and paul mullins a lad from got well he's out in Ireland, but like another galway lad and stuff and it was it was very kind of welcoming aj was captain and like just flying you know he's 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 world class um yeah so it made it much easier you know it made it much easier to acclimatize to yeah. a new environment there's a lot of just familiar faces or at least the accent and the cracks the same of course yeah and it gets guys still playing like you got another couple of years out of yourself yeah. and like sean mcnulty was finished with leinster he's over now playing in san diego and he's yeah. the happiest he's ever been like so it's cool and you get to play with guys like I think Mao Nanu's in San Diego now. Like, when would you ever come across guys yeah. like that? You played against Bastro, yeah, so... Yeah, Guido was out there. Adam Gito. Ashley Cooper. Yeah, it's Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I know, she, like, I played with Sean in, in Boston, and, like, yeah, he, exactly. But that's, it's such a good point. They can... Lads that are maybe in, kind of in between or could be on the edge of maybe falling out or going to play in the championship or something. Nothing wrong with the championship, yeah. but, like... Trust me, you'd go to Major League Rugby before yeah. going to the but championship. But it's the yeah. life experience, as you were yeah, saying that's off why. air. Yeah, yeah, like it's, you're not getting paid. You're not getting paid a massive amounts of money, but they take good care of you, and then the the experience is worth the life experience of it is, is worth is worth so much. Definitely, yeah. And look at you. You played for the USA. You played international rugby, and Luke Carty, Jack Carty's younger mm. brother, played international rugby. So it's definitely another route. But then you decided to pivot again, and yeah. you went into American football. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, that was <laughs> random. Um, as I always say, I wasn't, I wasn't a great rugby player, but I always fancied my, always back my kicking. Um, but the only way to kick really for me at the time was playing rugby. And I, I never, never thought of doing anything different. And then yeah. when I played in the US, I was always told you should try kicking footballs, you should try kicking footballs. But I never did, never took it seriously, especially because I was kind of on that trajectory then. Was make, like, once I got in, involved with the international scene, I thought, okay, I'm going to be probably here for the next four years and try and make that next World Cup cycle. Mm. Uh, but along, along mm. came COVID. So I remember one day just I was coaching a team in Boston and uh, one of the lads was a high school football coach. So he had a few balls and I was just like, oh, can I give them a whack? And just for the crack, I, I love kicking. And uh, pretty quickly you know i was getting back quite far in terms of distance and then there's always a running track around the american high school pitches mm. and you know people that are walking around were stopping or coming over saying i go who do you play for like well, what's what's your deal and i was like oh, i started 25 minutes ago here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh but as it was that and then i went home and started googling distances and trying to figure it out and then i was like ah and they maybe there's something here so yeah. then then i just i said look i'm just going to explore this further and, and see what it is and then probably within like two months of that um my team because like i said i was the fly half i was captain mm. i was then calling them and saying well actually uh i'm not coming back um i'm going to play in a new sport and they were kind of like what what are you talking about but i was like look i was 28 at the time and I, was like, I loved rugby but i thought i had the opportunity to do something just quite unique i thought and exciting i guess mm. that was probably the biggest thing i said if i don't try it i'll definitely regret it yeah, yeah. so packed my bags moved to san diego and then started this new trip in uh american football but how did yes. you even get a team to take yeah, you? Yeah, how did you link that, that in? Football. Yeah, that was that was really hard. Yeah, because you know what's the testing ground? College football. Yeah. So when I was talking to teams, like, oh, where'd you play in college? And I was like, uh, I was playing rugby, and I've never <laughs> played a down of football in my life. So that was difficult. So the first league I got to play in was called the Spring League, and um, it's kind of like a. That's where they recruit, isn't it? Yeah. So it's basically lads that have been cut from the NFL or guys that are maybe didn't get drafted that are, are mm. still staying. They say kind of ready, like game ready. Yeah. Um, so th that was a caliber of player and I just had to like leverage market myself into it basically market meaning like I was saying hey I'm Irish okay I've never played but I played for USA in rugby like mm -hmm. you know I tried to like say like I'm a high level athlete I just I needed opportunity because I just 
if I don't get this, I have nothing. I, yeah. I can't continue this. And plus, my training tape was quite good. Uh, but that's in shorts and t-shirts in San Diego. It's not you know, 11 lads trying to take your head off. Mm -hmm. you have, you know, it was, so it was very different. Yeah. Training tape being you kicking footballs Tra by yourself. Yeah, so I moved yeah. to San Diego to train with the, so all the NFL. Somebody didn't trained. know. Will you record this for me? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, mean, that's, so I was pitching that. That's amazing. I was pitching that. Initially, because I I, even before I played in that spring league, I was sending that footage to some NFL teams and close and like some of them were kind of responding to me saying, Hey, you look good. Keep it up. And then I was kind of like, Oh jeez. Like, like, Something there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Cause I, like I thought I was like, this is a, you know, shot yeah. in the dark. But then when I started getting feedback from them, I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. So I got into that spring league. Um, it was hilarious though. I didn't tell the coaches I never played football. They're old school American lads. Yeah. So I just didn't want to give them an excuse cause you get cut, you get cut so quickly. Lads are getting cut, like maybe an average, five guys a week oh my uh, yeah yeah it, it's mad ruthless that, yeah extreme that's what I say to the, about like pro rugby and pro sport is ruthless but mm. America, the American side of things you're even you sign a three year contract but you're an employee at will so you can be chopped at any at any stage so I did yeah I wasn't I wasn't kind of broadcasting like hey you know before the first game hey I've never actually done this before yeah. how so did you manage to get through that I know right? yeah. I know I, I, I have to be exactly I have to be creative for us emailing when I was emailing NFL teams I was just going through the list of people and just try and find the most Irish looking name <laughs> and then yeah. shoot them an email. Even if they worked in marketing and say, yeah. oh, apologies if you're not the right person, but they forwarded along. Because I couldn't, if I just tried to be traditional and normal, I was going to make no progress because I'd never played. So and if I, you don't mind me saying you look authentically Irish, which is very appealing to the Americans, <laughs> like genuinely, because yeah, I, I played basketball yeah. no, initially and it's like I know from draft and in college and it is absolutely ruthless. Like they're very strict on their pathways. Tradition in the as well, which oh, regards the pathways. So. Yeah. yeah, really, really traditional. So if you're not drafted, like you could be the top college in a D1 college, like the next big thing. And if you don't get drafted, like you just go back to normal life before you yeah. get that scholarship. Like you're just it's rendered obsolete. <sighs> Whereas you would have been the cock of the walk throughout the college campus. Mm. Do you know? Yeah. Um, like... <laughs> Jesus, I, some of the... I love what you did there. Like, like, you just completely took the initiative and just like made it happen for yourself, like, which mm -hmm. is incredible. It's yeah. a big lesson for anyone listening. And you eventually got into a team. And yeah. like, I'd say that was bizarre. Like, is there much of a difference? I presume there is between there is. American football kicking and kicking out in the sports ground. Yeah, you know there mean? is. Yeah. Biggest things is, <coughs> Excuse me. A, you're approaching a ball that isn't there. So like you're taking your first step. The ball isn't on the ground yet. You know, you're not seeing oh, the yeah, ball. Because yeah, like, you have 1.3 seconds between the ball being thrown back, snap back to you getting it up. So you're approaching a ball that isn't there. And then, you know, in, in rugby, I guess you're not going to be blocked. So in terms of penalties, conversion, mm -hmm. so you can drive the ball a bit, but not here because you have some like six foot five, six foot six fella eight yards away who's an athlete and he's he's doing his highest CMJ possible. He's doing his highest jump. jump. So you got to get it over him as well. And then you have a lad <coughs> as you kick the ball, this body's diving across in front of you because they're trying to block you from the side. and. Very different, very different. But I remember my fir my first kick because I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I remember going out for the first kick and then just kind of almost blacking out. I remember le le legit. I remember just kind of going out and I was like, "All right, here we go. Like, it's, it's happening." <laughs> uh, and it was in. It was really cool. The Indianapolis Colts. They have like a really um, a big 50, 60, 70,000 seater indoor dome. I just remember kind of running out. And one of my last memories is just hearing, you know, that kind of spider cam, you know, that goes at the top yeah. of the stadium, just like drop, you know, just dropping in behind my head. So I remember kind of feeling that. And then, and then all of a sudden, as if I woke up and thank God the ball was flying straight down the middle. And then it just kind of came back to life. And I was like, oh, wow, it's just happened. Um, so that was the first. Had you practiced being rushed at all before that? Yeah, like on the Tuesday. 
uh, and like an, a Friday night game. Yeah. So again, I wasn't broadcasting to people. Hey, I've never done this. Uh, yeah. Like, because I did to the, the the higher ups to get into the league. I was almost like a marketing gimmick to them, but I was happy to be, do whatever I needed to do to get, get in because I, ha- I had to get in the door. Yeah. Um, beyond the Tuesday, so I probably had maybe. 15 max max 15 reps with pressure and training pressure is different to when you go on the pitch and mm. the lads are chatting they're not saying nice things to you eight yeah. yards away and you know, yeah. all you know all that crack so uh yeah no it's gas experience but yeah, i just remember just as if i just woke up and then i was like oh like just just delighted and then it was half time then instantly after and we're going into the changing rooms and half times longer lads on their phones and stuff That's which tough. is so different to rugby right yeah, you know what <laughs> so I mean? like weird just, um from just seeing my phone then, then to be honest because my phone was buzzing 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 and then it was just like oh and then so i was able to spot you back live maybe within two minutes of it happening wow. in, in the stadium and just in the, in the half time because the offense and defense are talking no one's talking to the kicker yeah. i had one kick oh. scored so no one really cares about me so i was just kind of watching it back and being like oh jesus that just happened um, Amazing. It, was, it was surreal it was it was a surreal so the spring lead must, must be pretty big if you were able to get it back that quick like it was, it was oh, all yeah, televised. So it was yeah, to, like, 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 yeah, they got over like half a million on Fox. Like, oh yeah, Fox funded it all. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, 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 no, no, it was, it wow. was um, on like proper tv and it was during the spring so there's no nfl season so now it was a lot of eyes no, I, in I, it i got exactly that's what i say to some people i was like so i'm trying to help lads now and i encourage them to go to college and stuff because it's a uh, not as many eyes more of a learning environment um i was aware it was like okay like this can go fantastic it can go terrible but it's going to be it's it's really going to be seen because it's like you know it's properly documented say um so yeah, that was that was the first the first experience, and I didn't know what I was doing. I I I I had to, I, have to kick a field goal. There was still like two seconds left, so you have to kick it off to, you know, to start the game, around mm. the game after a score. But I just trotted over the sideline. I was just like buzzing, like oh, it just happened. Yeah. And then I just heard, hearing, my name is Tiger, and they all <laughs> call me Tiger, and they're just screaming Tiger, Tiger. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, I got to kick off the ball now. Joe, everyone's kind of getting yeah. set up, like say 20, 30 yards away. And I was just on the sideline, just kind of like, I just, because I never, I never done it. So yeah. I just didn't know where to go. And, uh, yeah, no, surreal experience, but like, yeah, let's look back. That's an amazing so story. Tiger. And where did that bring you then? How, how high did you get then? Then the highest level I got to play in was the CFL. So the NFL is the top 32 NFL teams and CFL is the next kind of next highest pro league, the Canadian football league. So after, after that experience playing in the Europe, there's a European league that just started. I got lucky that this new league had just launched in Europe. So I played five games, was living in Poland. Uh, we played, I was always in Germany. They love it. I was going to say, I Germany. saw a clip that it looked, yeah, Germany. Yeah, it was Spain, Germany and one Polish team. So I played for the Polish team. Um, and that was class. That was class because uh, it was, again, way bigger than I expected. I thought like football in Europe, I was kind of hesitant. But then when I started watching the highlights, it was all, it was really important that I got high quality footage. So mm. it had to be just like proper TV, professional footage. If it was just me kicking on a park, you know, the NFL, CFL wouldn't have taken me that yeah. serious. So I played there and then thankfully I got to kick some just go good distances, good puns, get get good stats. And then that led to the CFL and the Canadian League. So that's where I was 2022 last year um, for a couple of months. And that that was class because that, nice. that was proper. Then that was like, I don't know if anyone watches Hard Knocks or any of those kind of TV mm. shows yeah. behind the scenes. So that was, I felt like I was in Hard Knocks. I was in training camp and everyone's just fighting for a job. Jeez. It's rude. Oh, so like cool experience, but mm. just like, for example, the ruthlessness, I kicked it on Friday night. We played a game, uh, four seconds to go, uh, one point down. I trot out for my first ever kick in the league. Score, we win, miss, we lose. Go out. And I remember just being like, kind of just like, oh, this is class. This is a great opportunity. And I, in rugby, I wasn't as mentally strong as I am now. Yeah. But that kind of scared me in mm-hmm. rugby. Whereas I was looking, I was like, this is great. Like, if I nail this, like, we're on. Yeah. 
Love it. Nailed it. Monday morning. Thank you for your services, Tiger. But unfortunately, we got to release you. And I was just like, You're oh. joking. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah what? And I had the highest kicking percentage during training camp. But it kept coming back to the, we wish you had more experience. Because at that point, yeah. I maybe played 10 games. And also, in fairness, the lad they kept, he played at a college called Texas A&M. So he was playing in Which front of huge. like 115,000, 10,000. Yeah. And he went on to set a franchise record last season, like all-time record. So... They made a good decision, fair enough. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I could live with that because I knew yeah. I performed well. I did everything I could do. I knew it's 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 so transactional, the business side of it. So I, I had no um, zero regrets around that. But uh, yeah, that was... Uh, what team was that? It's called Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, nice. Up there. So yeah. Um, of course, that's where I, met, I got to meet my girlfriend and stuff like that. So I look back fondly on, on all of those experiences. But uh, yeah, the business side of it, uh, especially in training camp, where there's like mm. 90 people, you know, there's three kickers. Um, day two or three, the, one of the kickers missed. I was bottom of the depth chart. Um, so you're, you know, you're fighting, you're kind of you fight, fight your way into it and up the up the ladder. Remember, like day two or day three, the kicker in second position during training had missed two kicks, and then yeah, say day three, the kickers usually, even though we're competing, we're quite friendly because we're like a unique kind of subsection of the team. Yeah. <clears throat> Remember chatting, texting about getting breakfast or something. Then he's like, oh. I was like, oh, bro, I'm, I'm back in Kansas. They flew me back last night. I was, I was like, oh, okay, you missed two kicks, chopped, gone. What? So, yeah, I was kind of like, all right. Oh, is, my yeah, God. Yeah, literally, literally. Two Transactional. Shots, two shots at goal. Um, just, <sighs> out of there. They just give you a flight ticket and you're, and you're out of there. Like, you know, it's, there's no right. sense of development or like kind of find your feet. It's go in and go in and do it straight away or... They don't really care about you as a person. It's complete no, business. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, like your commodity, your trade, your... You're um you're moved around. That spring league, for example, actually before I played that first game, I got traded. Uh, I was in Houston, and then I got I got a call to say that Indi- you've been tra- traded to the team in Indianapolis. And I remember it was like say half seven in the morning, just having breakfast. I remember just shooting upstairs, throwing myself into a bag, hopping an Uber, getting to the airport. You know, and I was I was on a plane within two hours of the the trade, what? and then just getting a call from the GM of the other team, just saying, "Hey, Tig." Uh, we're glad to have you here. Like, very welcome to the new team, the new family, whatever, well, all this kind of crack. And I'm just yeah. like, what's going on? It's like, I still had never played it down to football. I never even experienced a rep in training at that point. And all of a sudden, you're moving around. So, uh, this is nuts. Yeah, it was gas. Yeah. But again, loved it. And what an I'm experience. hoping to help Irish lads go to college now and experience the sport. But in college, I wouldn't necessarily suggest trying to go straight to the pros because that's hard. And the only reason I made a progress I did is because I played international rugby. So, that gave me a little bit of. Mm kudos or re- yeah. whatever they expect me a little bit more because of that uh if i hadn't done that no chance i would have got would have got a look yeah no but chance. that's man it's, i could literally talk to you about that for <laughs> all day couldn't we Lindsay? like it's so interesting as a rugby path but as you said there you've moved into now coaching young fellas especially irish guys and trying to get them over to america so give us a synopsis of what you're doing there yeah 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 basically from day one in the sport it was obvious that for kicking and punting so punting's out of hand kicking's off the ground um that there's so much room for like us Irish people to do it because we're just like natural, naturally good kickers. Mm-hmm. Like, I say it's in our DNA pretty much. We grew up striking a ball for the crack or I was playing like Gaelic football, rugby, soccer. Mm. So anyway, I just realized that there's a huge opportunity there f- for us to do that. There's just no pathway. And I would have loved to have done that if that existed for me. So say 15, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So now basically just coaching Irish lads um, ranging from 15 to almost 30 that want to go to college and get an undergrad degree because there's no age limit. It's just it's all deemed by uh, the NCAA eligibility. So do you have eligibility to play oh, in yeah. college? So age isn't necessarily a factor. Um, so just coaching them, the first lad I started working with who we're talking to with multiple colleges now to get him a full scholarship to go do his master's degree um, this uh, August. 
August stuff coming. So there's a world of opportunity, full scholarships. To, like, you know, you get to experience football. College football is mega. The education side of it, you get your undergrad or master's, whatever it is you're looking for. And then also then just for kind of upon graduating, then the odds of you going pro are not high, realistically. Mm. Very few will do that. But, you know, you, you can kind of, you're well equipped for, the, say, the next stage of life. Plus, you get a visa to live in the U.S. for an extra year and experience that. So basically trying to start that pathway and uh, open it up. And thankfully, it's been going well. The interest is interest levels are high kicking talent is high but that's no surprise yeah. um so sounds like some crack where were you seven years ago when i was looking for to do <laughs> yeah. something yeah how unreal would that be Lindsay? that would be uh, yeah well i'm thinking to myself geez if i had known this 10 years younger i would have gone to <laughs> the states yeah. for you know a scholarship but how do you then link with the universities where is your role as the are you like the in-between guy to get them athletes do you know what i mean like yeah, so yeah. it works um <clears throat> so i'm basically there's a lot in the us one of my first kicking coaches who you know, knows the landscape, knows the scene, knows the crack over there. So he's, I guess, he connects those pieces. My job more so is to find the talent, develop the talent, train them, get good footage of them training, and then Send I give it to team. Brendan. And then Brendan's over there, and then Brendan does the, uh, connects with all the colleges. Social media is like the recruiting, everything happens Huge. on Twitter. Everything happens on Twitter. Because when I first started playing, I was really skeptical I, I didn't really want to be posting stuff too much on social media because i don't know is it just irish it's an irish me? thing yeah. <laughs> yeah i was really hesitant to do it and i was told tiger you have to do it if, mm. uh, if you don't put stuff on social media because no scouts won't see it like they use but for college or pros it's a huge avenue fortunately eventually kind of got over that kind of mm. trepidation and then irish people were class in in supporting in fairness they were really good and now with what i'm doing now they've, they've been um like one of the <laughs> up on TikTok got over a million and a half views the last day. Like people find it interesting and they've been supportive in trying to like, you know, see one of our own kind of go do something. Yeah. And I'm, 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 there's going to be a bigger path to it. And I guess one of the biggest reasons why this is so confident it will work is in Australia, they started this maybe 10 years ago. And now there's over 110 Australian punters on full scholarships in America. Wow. Yeah. So it's not as if this is a revolutionary thing. Like they did it, they did it really well. So I guess we're just trying to do our you know, something for the Irish lads. And some Irish lads had to move to Australia to get coached to then go to America. Not everyone can do that or afford that or, you know, yep. it's not feasible for a lot of people. So, um, you know, if we can keep it local, that's the plan basically and keep it in Ireland that the lads can avail of that and get, a, you know, have a crack off. Yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. I love that you're completely gone, just left the field against the grain, <laughs> doing something cool, like to, rather than just, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but just playing IL, doing your job here and just not looking at the rest of the world. So if I was a young fella, and I presume it will eventually stay to young girls as well, how would we get in touch with you and get involved and get kicking over in America? Yeah, so your best bet <coughs> is to uh, go to leaderkicking.com and there you find like an interest form on the website so you can fill that out. And I guess kind of just, ex I tell people just come explore, just come give it a crack, see how you do. If you're good, we can help. If not, at least you, you, you yourself will be happy that at least you tried. Mm -hmm. You're not going to die wondering. So that's the crack with that. And then actually I was focused only on American football, but now over the last few days, I mean, a lot of people reach out about kicking, uh, rugby kicking. So I love it. There's a space that I wasn't maybe going to get into, but I was coaching like under 14 girls at the weekend in Athlone <laughs> and uh, I was class. I like in terms of for me seeing like, a how much they liked it and b how much better they got over an hour and a half so let's hope i'm hoping i can try and coach more female rugby players because american football unfortunately right now is, is it's male dominated mm. but i like i have i know i have a lot of knowledge to give i i'm confident of that around the kicking because i learned so much there's so much in rugby that we don't we don't know about kicking i guess which i learned to the nfl side of things because they're hyper analytical and so much detail so anyway i'm hoping to do more kicking coaching um 
it was open to everyone, but I really enjoyed coaching the like w- women's rugby and stuff. I, 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 I just say, yeah, I yeah. felt like you just saw them develop quicker. So if I can help there, it's a space I want to uh, want to get into. Oh, hugely. And there's a huge space there on the uh, as regards the evolution of the women's side of the game, because obviously in the men's, we kick to territory. Uh, the kicking is a lot more, you know, whether it's scrubber kicks or you're kicking for territory or, you know, a box kick. We don't it's only starting to come into the mm. women's game now. So I think it's an area where you can really just help accelerate that. We've obviously struggled then with tens and kicking and conversion. And so I think that side of the women's game is certainly an area that needs that that help and that evolution, not only because, again, we're kind of it's kind of a lack of that framework as of now. Hopefully that will change. But like unless you're going to international where you're exposed to likes of, you know, Richie Murphy or yeah. obviously Greg uses his links to get people into yeah. camp. There is no one there at grassroots or club level. Yeah. But so do you, as regards to like the interest form, do you run then camps or do you go out to clubs or do you take individuals on a training pitch or how does that work then? Like, Yeah, they just, um, for example, this weekend, uh, we did a session Friday in Galway, Saturday in Athlone and Sunday in Dublin. So it's just kind of open training sessions, just come down mm. and, and give it a go. Um, we have people that were 15 that almost no one's kicked a ball before American football, but we had people from like senior inter-county Gaelic footballers down to 15 year olds that are like, haven't really played a whole lot of sport so it's just a quite an open friendly environment just to just to give it a go mm. and unsurprisingly for example the lad that plays senior intercounty football he was quite good so then you know I'll, like we had a good chat after that you can try and maybe explain more of the pathway and how it works and then for the younger people it's just more so if they enjoy it they can kind of keep coming to training se- training sessions so and on instagram at leader kicking is what we post a lot of stuff and um you get more information there i suppose yeah you, you ran a great competition there in line with the college football, wasn't it? In the Aviva, yeah. which was obviously nice for you with the links of your rugby heritage and then your new path with American football. Yeah. So yeah, it was king of the kick. Ireland, yeah, Ireland's kicking king. That was just a random idea. I was sitting down in Toronto talking to some CFL teams to re-sign and I wasn't sure to get re-signed with the team because mm. I had I, I did a good preseason. I, I, so I had that kind of interest. But with that game happening in the Aviva, I just sent an email to them saying, hey, I have this idea that I want to try and coach kicking in Ireland for American football. You guys have a big college football event going on. It's kind of a bit of parallels. Can I basically attach myself to this somehow? And they were like, yeah, if it, we had a few calls. They're like, oh, you seem relatively confident. We let you go with it. So <laughs> I did Ireland kicking Kings events around, figuring it out as you go, mm. but thankfully it worked out. Um, but we had maybe a hundred people kicker on Ireland. And then the top three got to kick in the Aviva at halftime during yeah. the college game. So no, three lads, 17, I think 17, 18, 19. And they got to go kick in front of 45-odd thousand. And uh, then the winner of that uh, was crowned Ireland's kicking king, 17-year-old lad, really, really, really good fella. And then he got to go over to the U.S., got to go take nice. his flights over to America, yeah. got to go to a college game, um, experienced that. And, and he's one of the guys that him and his family have committed now. They're saying, we want to we want to go to the U.S. We want Andy's name to go over to the U.S. as a kicker on a scholarship because they, they experienced it themselves over there. And he's a talented kicker. So now they've, you know, they've because he was in the current rugby system, got released. Talented player, but eventually, you know, like if he wants to stay in elite sports, like this is now an avenue for him to, to use his natural kicking talent and mm. to, to go do it. So, um, yeah, that, that event was class. And that kind of confirmed to me that A, I'm retiring from sports because they were really interested in family dynamics of a lot of stuff that went on and just like health things. And I remember after the game, he had his crown and uh, one of the one of the younger brothers is kind of recovering from cancer. Okay. And uh, now they're an amazing family. But I remember they all kind of embraced and then he put the crown on his younger brother's head, uh-huh. seven year old. Uh-huh. And I remember just kind of I was just attached from it. Uh, I was just kind of watching. And I remember just just they all came together and they're all just like smiles, a bit of emotion. I was like, oh, this is class. If I if I can like provide a vehicle that can like 
create more of those moments and even getting tingles of it now it was it was at that it was at that moment i was like i think i'm done with sports yeah, yeah. Calling, yeah really, i was like yeah. this feels really purposeful impactful and uh yeah it was just re- one of those moments you know it's just kind of like okay i need to do this that's and amazing since then, like... that's that's been a uh, full steam yeah Absolutely. it's completely you found your passion man and i love yeah. that you're you're really going head for heels over it um one person before to wrap up you did start doing a bit of coaching with john cooney as well Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if, if like John's curious, John's just a curious fella. Like open to <laughs> Anton, he is. Oh, he's brilliant. Just any way to get better. So I went up um, just doing some rugby kicking stuff because I still have. I as I said, I learned so much from American football kicking that applies to rugby. So John was curious to hear about that. Firstly. Mm-hmm. And then we just started kicking American footballs. And uh, yeah, he sent me videos now of the odd time of him banging over kicks and uh, saying, can you get a team to sign me? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> get Scotland to sign get, you. Now. Get, that's, uh, the thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another story. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good crack getting to yeah. kick with a lot of the current, say, pro players as well. And yeah. um, hopefully it can help them out in some capacity or just for a bit of crack kicking a ball that you know we all love that so yeah. yeah well you obviously know what you're doing if you're teaching john cooney how to kick so well done Tyke. thank you so much for coming in what you're doing is amazing i'm sure Lindsay, we could talk to him all day about it Absolutely. but we have to let you go eventually we'll watch his face and wish you every success with it and sure, yeah. Yeah. thanks for having me on and yeah no that's uh hopefully uh people hopefully people might see it and then think you know what i may as well give it a try and like that's all I'm trying to do is just give it a crack and if it's for you great if not at least you'd be happy at least tried it yeah. definitely yeah and if it works out they can go to America get educated yeah. and start kicking for a college team it's class why not we should have got a field actually you could have put yeah. me and Greg through our faces ah, yeah. and Pat <laughs> <laughs> we'll do episode 2 and we'll yeah. do that one yeah uh, no thanks so much so I appreciate it and thank you Lindsay for your insight as always thank you Greg cheers and thank you to Bank of Ireland of course our proud sponsors and uh, sponsors of the four Irish provinces we won't be around next week guys unfortunately but we will be popping up over the next couple of weeks so keep an eye out wherever you get your podcasts and of course on YouTube and bye for now Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland proud supporter of the four Irish provinces